As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city Welcome back to Straight from the Source. Michael Russo coming to you live from my home. Live for me, recorded for you. Um, I really do appreciate everybody tuning in as always, uh, as you know, already my first cynical tweet, I tweeted about the wild, uh, signing John Merrill, a veteran defenseman and, uh, somebody tweeted back, can he play center? That is a true wild fan right there. Uh, cynicism, it's finest. I really love that. Respect it. That's, that's sort of my, uh, that's sort of my personality. So, uh, you gotta love it. Uh, but John Merrill, actually, I, I like the signing. Um, left shot, he'll probably play the right side next to Dmitry Kulikov. Um, I've long actually liked his game. Uh, you know, 29 years old was part of that Montreal Canadiens, uh, playoff run. But, uh, you know, he shoots the puck well. He moves well. He shuts down, but not in like an overly physical way. It's more with his positioning and uh, stick work um, and also considered a really, really good guy. Coincidentally, when the Wild signed John Merrill, I was on the phone with Nick Bukestead, who was going to Riley Tufty's brother's wedding, uh, one of uh, uh, Nick's best friends. And um, I called Bukestead because he played with Kulikov in Florida, and but I didn't know that he played with John Merrill with USA Hockey. And so he just said that the Wild signed a couple really, really good guys, some characters. And uh, yeah, the Wild didn't get Nick Foligno, and they lost Nick Benino, and they uh, lost Ian Cole. So we lost some great quotes there, but uh, but we gained with uh, Goligoski and and um, who else? Uh, Freddie Goudreau seemed like an absolutely hilarious, happy-go-lucky kid, and then uh, John Merrill, who's supposedly a brilliant quote, and uh, and Kulikov, who we had on a Zoom today. That's an absolute character. He did it from the car seat in like New York City, and he was like frosted hair and everything. Uh, asked him uh, what type of player he is. 
was. And he said, obviously, a very good one. So I already liked the guy. Um, full disclosure now, if you hate hearing my voice, you're going to hate this podcast. So full disclosure, this was supposed to be a really a much, 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 much better podcast. The original plan to let you in on the little secret was that if Nick Felino signed with the Wild, I was doing a joint podcast today with Marcus Felino and Nick Felino. But alas, the Boston Bruins came in, swooped in with a two-year deal at $3.6 million and and um, you know, Minnesota was really aggressive, but Boston, you know, gave them a great contract. Obviously, they're built a lot different way, probably closer to the finish line in terms of being a cup contender than Minnesota. But the other thing is, is that his daughter, uh, when she was young, and I'm sure you all know the story, she had a congenital heart defect, and she went to Boston Children's Hospital, and she had surgery there. And um, Nick and his wife have been a huge supporter of that hospital for a long time. He donated, I believe, a million dollars to that hospital a couple years back. And I think that uh, really tugged at his heart's strings. It was a connection there. And that was part of the reason why he decided to go there. But he jokingly said to me in a text that he hasn't ruled out a, a Marcus Felino, Nick Felino reunion here in Minnesota in a couple years. So we'll see that. At least we can re- rerun my entire gigantic Marcus Felino, Nick Felino story and just uh, maybe slap a new date on there and pretend that it's, uh, that it's new. Um, so let's get started. We're going to do a glorified Q&A uh, for this podcast. And I am going to be honest, I just got done writing a big story and I usually try to go through all the questions and copy and paste, like say 50 of them and put them on a screen. I didn't have the stamina to do that. So we're going to do this off the cuff today. I'm basically going to go through the Twitter questions and try to just pick and choose. So you might hear a lot of uh, uh, installings as I try to find good ones. Um, Wow. Speaking of good podcasts, so Jeff Domet, our producer, always sends me, uh, you know, who the pods are to promote uh, across our site. You're listening to me, but you could be listening to Jim and Ellen Hughes, Luke, Jack, and Quinn Hughes's mom and dad that are joining Craig Custance and Sean Gentile on the Athletic Hockey Show. That just popped into my vision here, so I figured I'd tell you that. Uh, so, uh, listen to the rest of this, and then you can go to that podcast. But, uh, you remember Quinn Hughes, right? The guy that absolutely destroyed the wild in the bubble about a year ago. Um, Scott Burnside and Pierre LeBron also recap a busy day of free agency on the season finale of the two-man advantage. They're joined by J.P. Barry, the power agent, the agent for Dougie Hamilton. Great guy from CAA. He's on the Athletic Hockey Show on Thursday, and uh, that'll be it. Scott Burnside, who uh, just spent time in the wild war room for four days, and Pierre LeBron, who's now probably right up in his cottage uh, up in uh, northern Ontario. Um, I hope everybody read Scott Burnside's piece. Uh, it was fascinating, even for somebody like me, um, that feels like he knows everything that goes on in a team, but you realize you only know one or 2%. And Scott went in there and just did a great, great job. He's done this a couple years in a row with, I believe, the Carolina Hurricanes. He did it when we were in Dallas at the draft in 2018. I think he did it last year, too. And... Um, and he just does such a good job with these. And he's so trustworthy, too, which is the only way that it works, right? Uh, you know, you can't have Billy Guerin say, yes, yeah, Scott, you can be embedded in here and then and then have him, you know, throw out all the trade stuff that he's hearing and the depth charts and things like that or call up the beat writer and divulge everything. There needs to be trust to be able to write a story. But I thought the most fascinating part of Scott Burnside's story was the fact that, uh, that Billy Guerin apparently uh, let him talk really openly or write really openly about the debate 
debate that they were having internally about Jack Eichel. And I thought that was fascinating in part because it essentially confirmed all my reporting that the Wild are fully in on Jack Eichel. And, and uh, you know, sometimes you report this stuff and you still like, well, am I really accurate? Uh, this was proof positive that the Wild are in on him or were in on him. Uh, what I'm hearing now from um, multiple sources um, is that the Wild have at least uh, currently, maybe temporarily, maybe permanently, who knows, uh, backed out of the Jack Eichel negotiations, uh, trade talks, because Buffalo still um, doesn't want to take salary back from them, doesn't want to retain salary for Jack Eichel, won't give up his medical records, and wants all futures. And the Wild just can't afford that. So unless they're going to retain salary or the Wild find a third party to take on salary from them, uh, it just doesn't work. And the problem there is that if you're trading futures and you're giving up salary, what field, What team are you fielding? What, what team are you putting on the ice? You can't, you can't trade everything for Jack Eichel and then expect Jack to just turn this team into a cup contender and you've traded Fiala and Greenway and Rossi and you know a couple firsts or whatever it's going to cost. And um, so I just think that I don't know how the Wild can satisfy the request right now. So I think the Wild, they're going to you know play this to the vest and back off from this for a little while, see if Buffalo's asking price maybe comes down. And if they do, um, maybe the Wild will get back in on it. But there can't be a bounty for Jack Eichel if uh, there's just not teams lining up to get them. And right now, I think that, that uh, the Wild uh, wanted to make it pretty clear that they're out of this uh, to let everybody else also know that they're out of this uh, to, to put a little pressure on Buffalo that they're not going to be used here. So, um, so let me um, oh, just got a great uh, text from Brad Hunt uh, about John Merrill. Uh, he goes, uh, you like him. He's funny, just a down to earth. Um, awesome. Awesome guy. So that's cool. Uh, to know that uh, even if you remember Brad Hunt, who was in Vegas with him and and pretty much had a platoon with that guy, um, a lot of times was out in the press box uh, because of John Merrill. Um, you know, just still gives him a glowing, uh, glowing report. So I, I just think that shows all, you know, also everything about. Uh, about a guy like Brad Hunt as well. Sorry, as you can tell, I'm a little distracted right now. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Wild Boys 59, who who is your prediction to get Eichel? I don't think Minnesota gets him personally. Um, I would say Anaheim. I would say uh, that they they have the most to give up. I think if the price comes down, I think the Wild do want him. I mean, I, mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that, that they are still agonizing over this decision this late in the game, despite the asking price, I think tells you that Billy Guerin wants him. So right now, I think the Wild are out of it. Um, and... Uh, I'm going to turn my phone on mute, which is always dangerous around now, but sorry, my phone's going nuts. Um, although the last text was from uh, Jacob Chikrin, so hopefully you all read my Alex Goligoski story where uh, where he was quoted uh, throughout there. Uh, I think that you'll really like it. He was his, Alex Goligoski's defense partner for five years uh, in Arizona. Um, but I think the Wild is going to back off, but it doesn't, you know, when I, that's why I was a little worried about putting that tweet out yesterday, because one phone call, things can change, right? And so even though the Wild are out now, I mean, it doesn't mean that they're going to be out in two weeks. And so uh, I think I think the pressure is on Buffalo to move them, but I think that's why Kevin Adams right now is saying, you know what, uh, we'll be happy to have him back. And that's easier said than done. We'll see if that actually does happen. Um, Kevin Adams to Buffalo reporters or to John Vogel from The Athletic, uh, but he's the one that tweeted it. What's critically important to make it clear is that we're in control of this process. We have the player under contract. We don't feel any pressure. If there's a deal out there that we feel is right uh, for the organization – 
great for the Buffalo Savers. That's going to help us improve, whether that's improve right away or improve down the road. Those are all the things we weigh. We'd be open to it, but we're not in a position where we feel we're just going to do something to do it. That doesn't make any sense, but those conversations are continuing to go. Um, I agree with them. You know, this this really, it's, it's Eichel that wants out. They have him under contract for five years. Uh, to me, if you're not getting what you want, you own the player. He's got to come back or the other team's got to wait. Um, so we'll see. As I said, it's a game of chicken uh, between the Wild and the, uh, the the Sabres and the Sabres and every other team that they're talking to right now. Um, all right, uh, let's continue. Um, hockey fan Dan goes, did you cry a little bit when we didn't sign Felino because you knew you wanted him for future stories and post-game scrums? I was disappointed, but I look, I got it. That was the one thing that I wanted to point out in that giant article that I did on Marcus and Nick the other day is as much as he was being tugged by Nick, Let's be honest, like in a league where there was clearly tampering everywhere, Nick Felino, which maybe also talks to his integrity and what type of person he is, was like the one guy that wasn't tampering. He made it so clear to me that he was going to be fielding phone calls and taking his time and making a smart decision on July 28th, um, where other teams, you know, sign guys a minutes in, which he just knew that that stuff was done before. And, and unfortunately for the Wild, what that did is it put them in a position where they were in this holding pattern and they were sort of tied to Nick. And in that interim, they probably lost out on some other players. And um, Or if they wanted to reload that money to uh, the blue line. They lost out on guys like Ian Cole and things like that. Uh, Russo HFC for a team with no money and in need of defensemen, did we make the best decision with Manel or did it seem like personal feelings ego got in the way a little bit? Uh, there's no doubt that they did not feel like they wanted to be strong armed by a rookie um, asking for you know ha- whatever he was asking for in even just a minor league salary or being told that you know I'm ready for a one way contract. So. Um, you know, if it were me, I would have given him probably a lucrative two-way deal just because this is a league right now where it's like, it feels like every single player is getting three hundred dollars to $400,000 to play in the minors. And that's because of the risk uh, of teams having to sign these guys because they can go and play in Europe at big money. You know, it used to be where every player in the minors made sixty-seven grand. Now they're all making three fifty, four hundred, and they're just career lifers in the minors. So, you know, for a guy that was second in the KHL in points and second in the AHL in points for defenseman if it were me i probably would have signed him but there's uh you know look bill garen's got his uh, you know his principles and i don't think he felt like uh that a kid that's never played uh really uh that much in the nhl but was a kid that really hopped over some guys that he gave a chance to play in the nhl a couple years ago i think he felt like he was going to be pressured by that kid and so they send him to toronto for a seventh and we'll see if uh if brennan can um can turn something into his career. You know, he deserves his chance. He wants to be back in North America and we'll see if he can uh, show right now that he's, uh, you know, a true, true NHLer. And uh, we'll see in several years uh, if, you know, if he'll, if he'll pan out or if, you know, and become like the next Dan Boyle or, or, or not. Um, so we'll see it. Uh, Wild Boys 59 again. What is your theory on what happened in the Ian Cole negotiations discussions? I think the Wild waited for Felino, And by the time that Felino said no, the Wild probably would have gone to Ian Cole and offered him two and a half or and tried to get him at that uh price back maybe not 2.9 and um and and once nick said no ian had already made his decision to go to carolina there was a price point that the wild had slotted for their number five and six defensemen and at the point when they were going after nick felino they 
weren't willing to go over that price point because they didn't want to get squeezed elsewhere. Then when Nick said no, and they didn't really like any other forwards out there, then they went back to their D and were willing to spend between two and $3 million on probably a fifth defenseman. And, and as we saw today with John Merrill, 850 grand. So unfortunately, the Nick Foligno uh, negotiations probably cost him Ian Cole. But look, Dmitry Kulikov, um, you know, he's had a pretty good career here. And so we'll see if he can come in here and, and make an impact. Um, RL, uh, we've got Moose, now Goose, any other good nicknames we haven't heard? Um, let me think about that more and I'll, I'll get back to you. Um, Anthony Weagle asks, what are your expectations for Rossi, Boldy, and Addison? Seems like they will be counting on these guys to be big contributors if they expect to be competitive. Well, um, you know, as of now, they haven't hired, they haven't hired, they haven't signed another or acquired another forward to uh, fill in that Parisi hole in the lineup or that hole where Nick Felino would be in my depth chart that I just posted on The Athletic, which I made up was uh, Ryan um, Hartman and uh, Kevin Fiala. I just put them on a line together. So there's technically a hole there on that left side. So unless they sign somebody or unless they acquire somebody, whether it's imminently or later this summer, um, you know, it's going to be Rossi, Boldy, Connor Dewar, Brandon Duham. Um, I don't know anything about Dominic Turgeon other than he's Pierre Turgeon's son. You know, these guys that they have as depth guys. So... Um, um, you know, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Um, I think the Wild would like to add at least one more forward to just put some pressure on these guys like they did with John Merrill today with Kalen Addison. Um, but Addison's going to get games, I think, um, you know, maybe even be the, the sixth or seventh defenseman to start opening night. The question is, on the other guys up front, do the Wild go out and add another forward? When I talked to uh, people inside the organization this morning, they thought that the Wild would be... Um, more patient and let's see how things pan out and maybe a forward will come down in their price as they get panicked getting closer to training camp uh, and then all of a sudden they can get somebody on a bargain um, and, but they also said that about the 6D and you know I thought they were going after Sammy Vatnin obviously today they signed John Merrill because he took the deal at 1850 uh, one year at 850 uh, so we'll see right now they're not signing anybody up front but that could change with one phone call if all of a sudden there's a quality player out there that's willing to come here on a on a reasonable contract. Um, by the way, read that story I put on the athletic because I had a lot more thoughts about the sh the, the buyout pain that I wrote about today, and I you know I, I did kind of walk it back a little bit after really thinking about it a lot more, and uh, hopefully everybody will read that. But the gist of what I wrote is essentially um, that the uh, you know the buyout pain is really not the buyout pain; it was more the contract pain, and that these this pain would still be here today if they weren't bought out. The Wild would not have been able to do business yesterday if the, you know they had $15 million worth of Zach Parisian, Ryan Suter on the, on the books. And so the one thing that I wanted to point out in this story that I didn't point out in yesterday is had the Wild traded Parisi, Parisi's rights to say a team like Arizona and they bought him out. If the Wild had somehow at, even now or next summer or whenever gotten Ryan Suter to waive his no move and trade him, Cap recapture kicks in immediately. And then if those guys retire prematurely, the Wild get hit on that. And the reason why that's a huge problem is that the Wild in the next four years are going to conduct business based off cost certainty. But if they had in the next four years traded Parisian Suter, conducted normal business, you know, thrown a, thrown a ton of money at Kaprizov, a ton of money at Fiala, acquired a Jack Eichel, whatever, did business as usual. But then Parisian Suter retired prematurely for non-injury reasons. 
reasons, the Wild would get destroyed by cap recapture and suddenly would be in a position where they might have to trade a bunch of players just to get cap compliant. So I think that just Billy Guerin wanted it in just one fell swoop, get get the team's cost certainty, even though it, it limits flexibility the next couple of years. But I think in the team's mind, that, that lack of flexibility was going to be there whether Parisi or Suter were here or not. So I did want to, because I felt like after when I woke up today and I read my article again, and then I got an email from a very smart reader sort of saying the same exact thing. I'm like, you know what? I better point this out because it's sort of in, in hindsight, not very fair, um, especially the headline that, that, I, that we slapped on the story as well. So that's why I did that. Um, Brandon Hipkins, uh, dumb question, but why does the NHL do a draft floor and GMs go to the stage? If I'm not mistaken, all other national leagues are more of a war room virtual staff. Uh, that's what I love that's unique about the NHL is they have the stage that it's the draft floor that every who's who in hockey is on an arena floor and you have a bunch of media and the risers looking down on them. Uh, the stage thing is just, uh, you know, it's more for the picture, right? Years from now. So we can all sh- see that great young picture of Amiko Koivu up there with a young Doug Risebrow or whatever it is. Uh, so that's why they do the stage thing. But I like the draft floor war room thing. I will say after the war room the last two years, I think that actually, you know, general managers and directors of amateur scouting like Judd Brackett actually would prefer that type of scenario. Like when I had Judd Brackett on this podcast two or three weeks ago, he actually was talking about how at the draft table, he uses like hand signals to communicate with his uh, scouts and, and not just because he doesn't want other teams to, you know, hear him and see him and all that type of stuff, but because, um, you, you know, he doesn't want, uh, or, or it's because it's so loud in there that it's just a way to communicate to somebody on the other end of the table. So it's pretty, uh, interesting. Uh, Benjamin, how many draft picks will GM Billy Guerin trade next season to acquire LTI contract, uh, to up our cap situation? Well, in a lot of ways, if you're taking an LTI contract, you might actually actually um, you know, get assets as well because you might be an alleviating a problem for another team if they need to get out of that. But uh, but I hear what you're saying. I mean, that's one way to get some flexibility in the next couple of years is to start acquiring uh, dead contracts like Seabrook and then you could spend up to that. So there are going to be ways out of the Wild's cap flexibility the next couple of years and we'll see if the Wild uh, front office uh, does um, anything. Um, let's see. Um um, mass fan. It seems like we are hearing nothing but crickets on any Parisi maneuvering. Most had him slotted for the New York Islanders. It's not going, not going to happen. Uh, he's signing with the Islanders. Um, if, if you look, they haven't made one announcement. And last year, the Islanders, all their free agent stuff, they did at the end of the summer. And it's something to do with some threshold. If it's, I, you know, uh, somebody mentioned this to me, um, and I don't want to say who, but but that there's something to do with John Boychuk, uh, Johnny Boychuk's LTI, and there's some threshold, and I should probably know, and it might be obvious that Lou's got a hit to basically uh, announce contracts and file them with the league. So uh, unless something has absolutely changed, guys like Palmieri and Parisi uh, are signing with the Islanders, and it just has not been announced yet, and in, we might not hear anything for a while. Um, so just get used to that. And you're, you're not going to see a press conference with Zach Parisi going public because Lou's level just pull that right from the right from the, the rug right from out from him he's done that before when leaks get out so uh, i don't think that you'll see that but he's going to the islanders um i saw somebody tweeted that he's going back to jersey i don't know where they got that from he is 
Unless something changed, uh, he's going to the Islanders. RL Match Race asks, uh, any more info on the prospects games against Chicago open to the public at TRIA? I assume they will be because they're going to be playing tournaments. So I've got to think the Wild will figure out a way to get fans in there as long as the pandemic uh, you know, simmers down some more. Um, and if people didn't see, the Wild are not uh, taking part in the tra- Traverse City Prospect uh, tournament anymore. Uh, last year, um, they had uh, arranged to have a mini tournament where they would flip-flop each year the site uh, where Chicago's prospects will come here one year, the Wilds prospects will go to Chicago another year, and um, and uh, that will start in Minnesota, um, I believe the 19th and 21st or the 17th and 19th, something like that, right before training camp, which starts September 23rd at TRIA. So hopefully uh, fans can be there. If not, I will be there. I've got to think fans will be there. I mean, that's going to be really cool. That's going to be the Rossies of the world and the and the uh, the Boldies and the Addisons and people like that. So, um so I, I do like it. Um, Paul asked, do you see the Buffalo Sabres lowering the price eventually? Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on Kevin Adams to trade him at the highest value possible. So I think that they're going to have to make him play, come back, play a year, get his stock up, show he's healthy, all that stuff. The other thing is, is that even though he's skating right now, apparently he still needs surgery. And we just still don't know if he, if he's going to do the surgery that the Sabres wanted to have, which would keep him out three months or the like neck fusion thing that could keep him out longer term. And if you're going to give up a boatload of assets, wouldn't you want like him to be healthy when he got here? You don't want to give up all these different assets. And then you're like, he comes here and you're like, oh, by the way, we're not going to see Jack Eichel debut for the wild till February. I just think this is, I, I, I'm just almost flabbergasted the wild that we're even still debating this, but that's just me. <laughs> um, you know, right now, uh, you know, I want to see that I'm getting a healthy Jack Eichel before I ever give up on guys like Rossi and Boldy and Fiala and people like that. But that again, is just me. Um, the dog father, do you think Kaprizov will appreciate having another Russian speaker on the team or does that sort of thing not matter as much? I mean, look, Kaprizov's never going to say it to us, but I'm sure that's going to matter to him having a guy like Kulikov in there. I just think that can only help. Um, you know, it had to be a lonely existence last year for Kaprizov to be in the Twin Cities, a new place and, um, and not, uh, be able to, um, you know, just have somebody to kind of just hang out with, to talk to, learn the culture with. And the good thing about Kulikov is he's been in North America for, I mean, he lives in Boca Raton, Florida. He's been in North America since a teenager because he played major junior his last year in Quebec. So this is a guy, I mean, when we talked to him today, his English is absolutely perfect. So that's another thing that I think is going to help Kaprizov immensely is just having a guy like Kulikov here that could speak the language. So uh, we'll see. Um, uh, ba ba ba. Jordan Duran, when does Marco Rossi come to the U.S.? It's a good question. I'll uh, reach out to him. I want to do a story on him uh, essentially when I go into a uh, vegetable stage and take next month off, hopefully. Um, Soro 504, what are the potential PTOs, uh, which are pro tryouts? I mean, anybody that you see on a free agent list right now, if they're not signed by the end of the f- August, uh, would be good PTOs. Um, Gene Parmesan, uh, will college free agents be more of a target the next couple off seasons? I think so. I think so uh, because they come in on entry level deals and are and are fa- fairly inexpensive. Um, 
Kurt Harvey Williams, when a sports journalist writes, sources tell me what is the highest level process for how those conversations go, hiding in the bushes or calling everyone on the management team until someone uh, answers or talking to the rink custodial staff. Well, I mean, everything's different, right? Um, Sources, sometimes when things are told to you off the record, it's off the record, like you can never, ever write this or talk about it. Sometimes you could write this, but it didn't come from me. And so, um, you know, we all develop sources in their game and there are, there are, you know, I try not to ever quote somebody where it's personal. Like I would never quote a source saying, yeah, he's an absolute jerk. Uh, he's a bad guy. You know, to me, I want it to be truth behind it. Sources say this trade's going to happen. Sources say John Merrill is signing with the wild. Uh, sources say the wild are pursuing this. That's what I want to write. I don't like to, to do personal, no character assassinations, things like that. Um, you know, for the most part, I want people to be able, if they're going to character assassinate somebody, it's got to be on the record in my opinion. Um, so that's, that's something in terms of like where you ask, what is the highest level process for how those conversations go? I don't know if you mean like getting approval, but like today was a great example. When I found out about John Merrill, it was told to me by a source, um, in the NHL, um, from another team. And so I just go to my editor and say, Hey, I'm about to report this. This is who my source is just so she knows, um, and knows that I'm not just throwing stuff against the wall. And actually on this one, I, I like to second source almost everything. And this one, I couldn't get second source. So the wild actually announced it uh, before I was able to, to put the scoop out. But luckily I had like the entire tweet ready because I was just waiting to hit uh, go. So at least I didn't have to look up who the heck the wild were signing at that point. Cody asks, how did my surgery go? Well, uh, Friday was a little uncomfortable covering the draft with a, a really uh, achy back once all the the drug sort of wore off and, and uh, it was it was a little a little hairy at times getting up and down and things like that but uh, I'm doing well thanks for asking when I covered the draft in 2000 and four, I believe it was in Carolina. I had just had surgery in a similar spot, actually. And uh, the sutures opened and not to gross you out, but I cover it looked like a bloodbath while I was covering that. And afterwards, um, and any writers listening to this afterwards, I, I had to be like taken to the hospital, which is right by the arena there in, in Raleigh. And I get to the hospital and I walk into the emergency room and, I, and everybody started coming and run at me. They thought it was like a gunshot, but I'm like, no, I've just been bleeding for like three hours uh, through my clothes. I need like three stitches and I'll be good to go. And people were like looking at me like I was absolutely crazy. Um, so anyway, um, RL match rates again. What are the top 10 restaurants Rossi should try when he gets here? Um, my new favorite place is Baltimore, uh, which is at Rosedale mall. Um, I love, uh, I went to 801 Steakhouse for the first time recently. That was awesome. Bar La Grasa is awesome. Uh, Lake Elmo Inn. Angelina's uh, Kitchen in Woodbury is a great Italian spot. Mark's in Stillwater. Um, if, if anybody has any, uh, Tilia in uh, Linden Hills area. Love that place. Um, let's see. Chad Hibbs, uh, Garen's message has been these young players have to earn their spots. However, it seems like the only option we have for the next four years is to play these young players that are on entry-level deals and hope they perform thoughts. Um, I don't disagree. I think uh, I think it's not a bad bad thing to just uh, let's see what Boldy can do next year. Um, uh, things like that. Um, Mona... 
OSRS Jack asks, could you expand more on the Hovenoff situation? I know you said he was deciding whether to stay in Russia or not, but is that permanent? Um, it's weird because he signed his entry-level contract. He goes to the KHL last year. He wasn't good enough to stay on that team, so he plays in their junior league. And what I'm hearing is that so far he hasn't committed to even coming back. Now, that could have changed when I asked Billy Guerin about it. Um, two weeks ago, he said it looked like he was coming back. Um, but I'll be honest, I haven't asked Bill about that lately. Uh, next time I do, I will. I texted his agent coincidentally today uh, when I was doing my depth chart because I have kept the same note up uh, for like every depth chart that he's deciding. And I texted his agent and so far I haven't heard back. So if I get any news on that to share, I will definitely, um, I will definitely uh, put that out. Um, let me see. Um, Billy Mikulski. Um, asked, what's Minnesota looking at on the idea of possibly bringing in Tarasenko? They're not. Uh, they're not looking to bring in Tarasenko right now. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Hideki, have you heard any noise about the Wild possibly interested in Chura? I don't think so, especially now that they filled their blue line with Merrill and Kulikov. Um, Wild Boys 59, could you interview some prospects in the future on the podcast? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to get uh, Rossi and Boldy on uh, once training camp starts. We're going to actually take a little time off here um, in the next month. But once training camp starts, I'll get Goligoski on, uh, hopefully Rossi and Boldy and people like that. Uh, let's do this. Uh, hold that thought, everybody. And uh, let's take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I appreciate everybody... Uh that hasn't logged off yet are still listening uh, to me because I know this probably isn't the easiest thing to listen to as I'm just scrolling through Twitter looking for good questions. Uh, Tom asks, Hey Russo, Marcus Johansson, what is his status? Can't find anything. Um, somebody from Sweden actually direct messaged me about him today. And let me see. He's a reporter. And he said on Johansson um, that, that he doesn't plan to just sign with any team that he's looking for a chance to win, uh, rather than a higher salary. Um, and if not, he could be coming home. So we'll see how that, uh, all shakes out with Marcus Johansson. Uh, I cannot imagine he'd be back here. He just, um, obviously it just didn't pan out last year and he's proved to, uh, um, you know, be, be, uh, brittle. Like he had been previously in his career. I, I uh, asked, this isn't about Marcus Johansson, but this joke just, just popped in my head. I asked somebody the other day about a player that I thought the Wild were interested in, and his response to me was, low pain threshold. And I just thought that was a hilarious uh, comment from a scout. Like, what a way to say a guy is brittle or injury prone. <laughs> low pain threshold. Basically, like, uh, no, he's a wimp. Um, again, not talking about Johansson, about the player that I had asked about. Um, 
who the Wild wound up not signing, by the way. So don't try to figure out who it would have been. Uh, Billy, again, uh, looking at how deep the farm is, then looking at the depth chart out of Hovenoff, Boldy, Beckman, Dewar, Rossi, and Giroux, who's got the most, the best shot of making the team and making somewhat of an impact. Okay. Don't shoot the messenger here, but like, you know how I just said that, oh, you could throw Boldy on that one thing. It would not shock me if a guy like Brandon Duhame or Connor Durer gets it. That would be almost more Billy Garen style. Like have these kids coming in thinking, all right, it's going to be Rossi or Boldy, the top prospect. But if they don't blow the doors off and earn it, it wouldn't shock me if Billy said, you know what? We're going to take a couple of our minor leaders that have paid their dues and, and seem very ready to get their shot in the NHL and put them on the team and then elevate, whether it's a Sturm or a Bukestead or a Freddie Gucci Uh, up until that third line. This is, again, if the Wild don't sign anybody else. But you could easily, I think, at this stage, put Durer or Duhame on your fourth line. And and that's one thing I don't think the Wild do enough. I've thought it for the entire 17 years I've covered this team. Like, nobody goes out and signs more $3.5 million third and fourth liners than the Wild. It's started from, from, you know... It, it's all the time. It's 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 constant, and sometimes you you know that one that just absolutely demoralizes your guys and the minors. But there just comes a point where you gotta give these guys a shot. So I think that'd be a smart decision instead of overpaying in free agency. Go and give a job to a Durer or a Duham. Let's see what they've gotten these guys. Um, let's develop more prospects to watch. Not just they don't always have to be the upper echelon blue chipper. Let's see some of these guys make the team, and you see all these other teams that have success and these young players that come out of nowhere and you look at them and they're they're players that you had never heard of or weren't high draft picks but they've turned out to have great nhl careers and the wild have to get to that point where they do it um as well so uh you know let's let's see that kath dumbabom uh, do you believe garen when he said yesterday that he didn't regret buying out Suter? I, I do i i think that he really doesn't i think he, he realizes that 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 you know there's a cap crunch here the next three years, four years. But, you know, as I said earlier in the podcast, I think he also realizes that there would have been a more, much greater cap crunch if he had these two diminishing players on his team at 7.538 each the next two years. So, um, you know, I, again, I just think that he didn't want to trade either of them ever because of the cap recapture issue. Because again, you know, to make this clearer, if they retire prematurely, the Wild are going to be hit with a cap recapture immediately. But the Wild are going to be conducting business with an $81.5, $85 million, whatever the cap is at that time. They're going to be signing players to long-term deals, assuming that they have no issues. And now at least they know 100% what their cap problems going to be in the next four years. Now, that might not sound like something that Wild fans want to hear, but it's just one of those things that like, you know, last night after as I do this a lot, I rewrite my articles in my head while I sleep. And I woke up at 4 or 5 a.m. Like, you know, I should have at least mentioned that. It's not fair. And then I looked at the story. I'm like, yeah, I I really need to not walk it back, but just clarify that. So, that's why you're going to see uh, if you're reading my depth chart today, why I all of a sudden uh, went back on uh, on that. So, um, or tried to clarify it more is probably a better way to say it. Okay, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Rob Nowinski, our number one center is overrated. Look at teams like Edmonton, Toronto. They are loaded at center and never win the, in the playoffs. Tampa Bay won, with, but Stamkos is not a huge factor. Having a top goalie, Norris caliber defenseman, and a deep team see, seems to be the recipe for success. Uh, yeah, 
But you can also go back to other cup champions throughout the history of the world and say number one centers matter. You know, when Dallas won it, Mike Madonna mattered. Um, you know, uh, when Pittsburgh won it, Malkin and Crosby mattered. Uh, you know, things like that. So, uh, you know, you could go through it. You know, Edmonton or Toronto just have to do a better job of building around Dreisaitl and, and, uh, and Connor McDavid and Matthews and Marner and people like that. So, uh, but I hear your point, but, you know, you can always, you could, you could take pieces of, of everything and say that uh, it's why I like also like after a cup, it seems like it's like a copycat league where team goes and has a big run like Anaheim several years ago. And everybody's like, well, we got to go get bigger and stronger and brute, brute, you know, brutality and more rugged. The wild tried to do that by getting guys like Chris Simon and Todd Fedoric. It doesn't always work if the rest of your team isn't built that way. That was just how Anaheim won it that year, you know, and, uh, you know, Tampa Bay's uh, method is to have $20 million more than the cap. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just, just a joke. Just a joke. Um, Carlos said, did you shed a tear after reading Suter's write-up? I was more interested in why he didn't ask me to write the story. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, you know, Suter had a Players' Tribune story uh, today that uh, he thanked Minnesota. So go uh, back and read that if you haven't yet. Um, Tanner Worth, uh, the pieces you wrote this past season for the Athletic were some of your best ever. Thank you. Uh, which story was the most entertaining for you to research and write? And which stories are you most proud of? Wow, that's hard. That's one. Let me let me think of, and I'll try to answer that on my War Seats in the House podcast tomorrow. Um, I mean, I'm still really proud of the Mark Parrish one. That was in that was in December. God, I wish I can look back and and some of my stories. I have like the worst memory. I have the wor- greatest memory on some things, but the worst memories on others. And there are just some certain things like I can't even think of one article that I've written this week, let alone this entire season. Um, but some will come out. And they, I think what I'm most proud of with just the coverage this year is this was, wasn't an easy year to cover teams, cover the team. You know, when you're all virtual. You don't get in the locker room. You don't get a lot of feel of what's going on in there. And so, you know, those are, those are tough. Um, but I'll have to go back and think of some of the ones that I wrote this year. But I, I, I literally right now, my mind is blank. I can't even think of one story I wrote this week, let alone this whole season. But Tanner, I appreciate your uh, kind words. And I'll, I will go back and try to figure that out. Speaking of LaPay, Lapanta Hideki asks, um, what's the best thing you've ever had to eat at the Lapanta household? Um, well, his Akiyushi steaks are pretty good. I like uh, when he makes chicken and things like that. Uh, he, he is a heck of a cook uh, and um, just awesome. Uh, Peter, old friend Peter, um, who I haven't seen in many, many, many uh, years. Uh, will Belly Garen turn his attention in the trade market to other centers on expiring contracts? Hurdle, Couturier, Trocek, Ryan Strom, Roslovic, Barkov is likely to sign an extension or is too costly next July. I don't think he can. Not to give up a ton. I mean, the, the, the problem with all these is that you got to know that you're going to resign. What makes Eichel appealing is that he's got five years left on his deal. So you can give up a haul for him and feel like you're getting some games out of him. Where can you imagine if you traded for Barkov or Hurdle or Zabinajad or Couturier or Trocek or Hurt, you know, all these guys, and then all of a sudden they don't resign and now you're giving up all these players. So that's why, that's why I laugh at like the Elias Pettersson offer sheet rumors about the Wild. 
it can't happen. The Wild would have to trade for Elias Pettersson and sign him. And by giving up a bunch of money in that deal, they can't go out. They have no money to sign anybody long term. Just remember that anytime for the next four years that you want to say, hey, are the Wild going to, why aren't the Wild in on Philip Deneau, which I was getting all day yesterday? Why aren't the Wild in on Tyson Berry? Why aren't the Wild signing an offer sheet? Grab your calculator or reread the buyer, the Parisi suitor. Uh, story or just go to cap friendly. It cannot happen. It is a dollar in dollar out world for the rest of eternity for the while. Just know that. Um, but in terms of those guys, same thing, unless you're getting hur- hurdle for, for essentially nothing, um, you know, you really can't do it. You've uh, to me, you've got to, you've got to be able to afford to resign these guys if you're going to do it. So we'll see. I mean, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I, I will say of those names, I just don't, know if if billy would be in on any of those guys uh you know i don't think he that they love ryan strome i think they've tried for roslovic before but i'm not positive i'm not positive that they love trocek i like couturier but i didn't get a sense that they were when they were talking to philly about dumba i don't think they were talking about couturier i think it was more connecting and and morgan frost and people like that and hurdle i'm not positive what he thinks of them so uh so um you know that's the um that's just that's just sort of uh, what I think about that. <laughs> Matt asked, does public perception have any influence on Billy Guerin's decision in making moves? I don't think so. I think he does things the way that he absolutely uh, feels that this team should be done. You're going to be criticized or lauded for anything uh, in the jo- in the seat that he sits in. Uh, so I, I don't get the impression that he ever listens to public perception or anything like that. Um, you know, Otherwise, I don't think he would have had the guts to do Parisian suitor the way he did. You know that that took a, that was a, that was a pretty courageous move. I I know that you know you're going to get criticized from all areas, not just externally too. I'm sure that even internally right now, um, you know that's not easy for the owner to sit there and accept that you're going to buy out Ryan Suter, who we all know is somebody that he is very close with. So uh, that could not have been an easy decision and it had to be take a lot of guts for Billy Guerin to first approach Craig Leopold about that. And I would love to have been a fly on the wall during that conversation. Um, Let's see. Uh, Jason Hedger, any updates on retiring number nine? Uh, not that I know of. Uh, what are the chances of Koivu getting into coaching? He's actually is coaching. I think he's going to coach special teams for the Finnish World Junior Team. I saw something like that the other day. Um, so, uh, Christopher, Greenway will be a restricted free agent next year with the current wing depth and likely addition of Boldy. Do you see him traded before the deadline to maximize return? Well, one, we have to make sure Boldy isn't traded for that to happen. But I do. I, I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see one of Dumba or Greenway traded. I mean, you just start to look at cap friendly and, and the budget and the crunch that the, the squeeze that the Wild are going to have in years two, three, and four. And the fact that Boldy, that Dumba's got two years left on his deal at six or Greenway is going to need a, a big time uh, contract next year one of these guys is not long for this organization mark my words that's just my opinion um but i just don't see how it how it works uh i think one of them's gone maybe even both who knows um ross says what are the timelines for look like for their two first round picks well uh wallstead's an interesting one because he's apparently close but 
He is in a crowded net in Lolia, and I know the Wild are concerned about that. They're one of the best goalies, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. I wrote it in my uh, in my story um, today. But uh, one of the goalies uh, that's one of the top goalies in Sweden just returned to Lolia. He's coming back. So Wallstad's staring at maybe being a backup this year and playing 15 or 20 games. So I don't think that makes the Wild comfortable at all. So I think they're going to try to either find him a new team in the Swedish Hockey League or maybe bring him over and try to find him a spot in the West. In, in the in major juniors uh, this year, there was a report out of Edmonton. Uh, Hall of Fame hockey writer Jim Matheson said Portland was looking at maybe bringing in. Um Wallstead, I was told by a source inside the Wild that that is probably unlikely, but he did confirm that the Wild might have to look for him for a home. I don't see him going to Iowa, by the way. Like Iowa to me, I just, it's again, not Billy DeGaron's style to put an 18-year-old goalie in the American Hockey League. Uh, so I just don't see that happening. So I think they're going to try to find him juniors or they might just have to buy their time and have him uh, play 20 games. But I don't think that would be good for his development um, either. So um, let's see. Um, oh, Brandon Duhame just uh, re-signed. Uh, let's see if he just took his qualifying offer. We mentioned Brandon Duhame. Uh, two-way deal at seven fifty, dollars uh, 100 in the minors. Oh, and the second year is a one-way. So there's a great example. So the Wild did a two-way, one-way with du- Duhame, which is just, um, that just shows you that they're expecting him at some point to become an NHLer because he wouldn't do that. So um, so that's pretty cool. Um, Parkland, Florida's own Brandon Duhame. That's uh, the town next to my hometown in Boca Raton. Um, all right, let me just quickly go through others. I cannot believe I have 200 questions here. Space Hyatt Wyatt asks, uh, where did Dmitry Sokolov's progression go so wrong after all his offensive upside? I mean, it really, if you remember before his draft, he was supposed to be a first-round pick, maybe even near the top 10, and he wound up slipping all the way to seven. And it's because of his his fitness and his... Um, and you know work ethic and uh that just continued in iowa he just never could get his act together you know maybe he's just got the body type that it's impossible to stay fit i mean that really does exist i know some people out there that can eat anything they want don't realize that there are people that just genetically can't lose weight or can't keep weight off but that is a fact so uh you know unfortunately yeah waste guy that has NHL shooting ability and talent is just probably never going to play in North America again. Um, he's definitely going back home. So that's a shame. Ben Tesler, have the wild reached out to Seattle about getting Susie back? They've reached out to Seattle. I don't think they're allowed to get Susie back. I think they've got to wait a certain amount of time. I don't know that to be uh, fair. Uh, Warrior for life. Why didn't the wild go out uh, after more legit low price center like Eric Halla? Um, they just don't want Halla here. They're, they're, as you can see, I mean, Bill, after they get rid of people, he just doesn't seem to want to put those guys back on the team like he's shown no interest in holler or granlin a couple times now so um it just can't happen uh vikings theorist are there any players the wild have considered offer sheeting uh as i just mentioned just can't happen uh everything's going to need to be there's gonna be no long-term signings for this team for a while until they create some cap space. And so that's why, you know, Galagoski got one year at five. That's why everybody's signing for one or two years. Um, that's just, you know, just sort of the, the life that they're in. Uh, Corey says, is it time to circle back to Derek Stepan, perhaps PTO candidate? Yeah, perhaps a PTO candidate. Uh, maybe they circle back on him. I don't think that they're, you know, they're trying to get faster and younger. Um, I know that sounds a little hard when they're signing a bunch of 
you know, 29, 30 year olds or 36 in the case of Goligoski tomorrow. Um, but these guys can all skate and mobility and Derek, uh, just, you know, he's not the greatest skater fleetest of foot anymore. Um, it, I just don't know that that's going to happen. Um, but it would be easy to make happen since he's local and I think lives a couple lives pretty close to Billy Garen. They could always, you know, bump into each other in uh, in the Western burbs one day. Um, Jason Avril. So with Brad Hunt now in Vancouver, does that open a spot to bring back Nate Prosser? That would help. That'd be awesome. Uh, Aaron Feely, who will be the best quote machine out of the new additions? Um, I hear John Merrill's awesome. Um, Kulikov was a bit of a beauty today. Goudreau was good as well. So uh, as you met, as you, everybody knows, that's the most important thing uh, with any uh, wild pickup ever. Casey asked, do you think Ryan O'Rourke starts the season in Iowa or Sault Ste. Marie? I think the Sioux. Um, I, Billy Guerin made very clear to me the other day that uh, just because Ryan O'Rourke might be eligible to play in the AHL th- this year, that uh, with a full AHL season, not just, you know, because remember last year, all the top AHLers pretty much were on the taxi squad with every team. Now it's going to be a full big time league. And I don't think Billy wants to overwhelm the kids. So um, I think he's going to still send him back to the Sioux. That's what he was saying the other day. So we'll see. Um, he is signed though. Um, but the, that contract will just continue to slide. Um, Maxime asks, is Ryan Strom a target for the wild this year for the wild? I don't get the impression that the wild actually are in on him at, or, um, have the greatest esteem for him. That's just, I've asked about him so many different times to so many different people. And I always get the, eh. so I don't think that, and I, and by the way, that's not just internally with the wild. I mean, this is scouts I talk to too, for some reason, uh, even though he puts up points, uh, I haven't watched him enough to know why. Um, let's see. Kaiser Sose 30. Do you drink any other kind of coffee besides Starbucks? I drink, uh, I don't uh, discriminate against coffee. I drink anything. I drink quick trip coffee, holiday coffee, caribou coffee. I go to Oxen Crow all the time and buy beans. And also I have a rule that if, even if I make a pot of coffee in the morning, that doesn't count as my allotment. I still have to go buy one somewhere. It's just a, it is a nervous habit. Even last night, leaving the, like I, we were at, I was working till 1am on that story last night, but I, even last night when I finally, I'm just like, I got to leave the offices because I was working alone in the banquet hall and it was getting dark. And I mean, I probably could have gone upstairs and broken into Billy Guerin's uh, war room and tried to figure out everything at that point because I was like literally the only one in the building, but I finally left and I'm just like, I got to get a change of venue. And it's like super late at night and I'm on my way home. Just like, I'm going to go get a coffee just to have something to like, just when I get writer's block to drink. So yeah, I drink coffee too much. Probably why I get four hours of sleep a night. Let's see. What in the puck asked, do you think the wild have gotten better or worse so far in the off season? I think the biggest thing that you have to decide is, is Alex Goligoski better or as good as Ryan Suter? And I believe the wild at least think that he is. He actually, you know, for an Arizona team that wasn't great defensively, he was by far their better best defenseman numbers wise with Chikrin and, and, um, you know, he could still play at 36 years old. But if you think of everything else, I mean, you know, the, the wild third pair, uh, you know, I, I, like Cole a lot, but if Kulikov and and um, and uh, 
Merrill can fit in, you know, that could be pretty good. And then so it matters who who plays that other forward spot. Goudreau is a good player. I've gotten a lot of uh, positive uh, texts on him. And so now who comes into that spot? Now, the offseason isn't over yet. If all of a sudden we see this Kaprizov thing get really hairy or Fiala get dealt, you know, then then all of a sudden we got to see if this team's good. But right now, I mean, you're you're essentially trading Goligoski for Suter and a new third pair. And so, um, you know, we'll have to see him. I know the models out there today that I saw, and these people are a lot smarter than me, still have the wild, you know, making the playoffs uh, pretty pretty uh, easily in in this division. So, we'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, you know the wild better. Like, all of us as wild people that watch the wild, like... They never are bad enough to just get a lottery pick, right? They, they just aren't. So, like, you just know they're going to compete for a playoff spot no matter who they have on this team. And so, um, I, I just, I still think they're going to be fine. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll look back at this a year from now and, like, a lot of times I would say stuff on a podcast and, and, um, and think, uh, Man, what an idiot. Uh, Jordy, he asks, uh, it's National Intern Day. Do you need one? Uh, if you want to transcribe, I got lots of tape for you to transcribe. I can just send that over to you. Um, I think being my intern would be super boring. The problem with being an intern for a sports writer is that we never go to the, we don't really have an office. And at The Athletic, we really don't have an office. So your job as an intern for me would be, uh, you know, you'd be in, like, you'd be watching me write, and then I'd be like, hey, uh, Jordy, can you transcribe this? Uh, hey, Jordy, can you uh, go make me coffee? Uh, you know, go watch TV or something. Like, it would not be fun, I think, to be an intern. It might be fun the days that I'm at the arena, and if you're if you're there, but I don't think you'd uh, want to be an intern for a sports writer. I think it'd be a pretty boring job. might be fascinating, again, during a game or work in the locker room and kind of get to experience that, but the downtime when you're sitting at your laptop slaving over keyboard trying to come up with words that would be boring to be the intern for that sports writer um especially somebody like me that doesn't like distractions other than music it would not be fun for you um somebody sent me something in russian don't know what that says and there's no where to transcribe this for some reason usually can translate twitter quotes What can we expect from the Minnesota Wild booth at the State Fair this year? I heard there's going to be a celebrity ball hockey game that I am not taking part of. Good question, Severance Guy. Does the locker room open to the media at the start of the season? My gut says no. I think that they're going to be that we will get face to face interviews, but it's going to be in like a sort of a, an Olympic type setting where they have these mixed zones, bring them into a room, and we get people in there. That's just my gut. I I just don't see the way that this uh, the, the numbers are going. Like I was talking to a doctor the other day or a nurse, sorry that that said that you know um, in the next two weeks that they're getting slammed again. That's what the the analytics say. And so just the way things are going, it just, I was thinking today, like, I hope the NHL has a contingency plan if all of a sudden different government agencies shut down again, because, you know, that would, that would obviously affect the entire league. And so I hope they have a, hope they're working on some plan B's and C's. I'm sorry if I didn't get to yours. Um, I'm sorry if I, uh, I'm just kind of quickly skimming. There's still so many questions here. So I think that's this is a good place to stop it. Um, hopefully everybody is fine with this podcast. It's not exactly Marcus and Nick Felino. I do hope that everybody uh, that that is a supporter of the athletic reads the athletic. 
you know, we work really hard and did during trying times this year with the locker room not being open and things like that. And I'm just so proud of just uh, the job that we've all done at The Athletic to just, you know, especially when sports wasn't going on to somehow put out a sports uh, website every day. So uh, Mark McNeil asked, when's my next Trample by Turtles concert? Uh, that will be, I believe, I might go to Iowa for their show like September 16th, but I'm definitely going to, to the one at uh, Treasure Island. I think it's September 18th. So right before training camp, I will be there. 100%. Thanks for... Uh, everybody for always listening to this uh the show for reading me in the athletic for supporting our incredible website i hope uh everybody enjoys and is safe the rest of the off season it's been a trying week here in the twin cities um you know with uh with the terrible accident that happened in, in minnetonka that i know that a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are well aware from hit the hockey world really really hard it's it's uh just you know, been gut-wrenching to think about all week. And, um, you know, I hope everybody's just safe the rest of the summer. If you're listening to this podcast, I should say, check out our comments section for each podcast episode of the Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Straight From The Source on Apple. If you aren't already a subscriber to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source and you can receive a subscription for just $3.99 per month for six months. Everybody have a great rest of your summer. 